Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Gray, Georgia. Led by Pastor Randy Darnell, FBC Gray seeks to help people of all walks of life find Jesus and give Jesus away. If you are ever in the middle Georgia area, we would love to see you at one of our services. You can learn more about us at fbcgray.org. Now let's join Pastor Randy as we take another look into God's Word. to the uh, Academy Awards uh, and Tony Awards and the People's Choice Awards and all of those award shows. And I, I paid a lot of attention. I'd go to the movies a lot, you know. And when you're younger, you've got money and, uh, you know, before you have kids. And so you do that kind of thing. And then eventually it breaks down to where you're just renting DVDs and then you're stealing somebody else's Netflix. So it's kind of the way this thing works. But, uh, but I would do it, and I got really good at predicting the winner of the Academy Award. I, I really had a gift. I had a skill. See, what I would do is I'd go see movies all year long, and then when they announce the people that are nominated for the Academy Award, whatever I haven't seen, I'd go see. The one that I absolutely hated, the movie that was the worst movie I'd ever seen in my life, I knew that's the one that was going to win. I mean, that's just the way it always worked with me. I was a, a Rambo, you know, a uh, Sylvester Stallone kind of guy. I love Star Wars. The Avengers movies really do it for me. And, and, and the, the, the people that do the Academy Awards like things that, you know, the bumblebee nuzzles the honeysuckle kind of stuff. And it just, no, just, just no. And this movie that I'm going to mention to you now uh, is, is one of those movies that I liked that Rotten Tomatoes gave it a score of 55, which means that it's mediocre at best. Came out in 1979. It, uh, it made it to VHS. So some of you may remember what a VHS is. It never moved over to DVD. In fact, when I went back to make sure I was remembering it correctly, found out that they're actually looking to release it on DVD in 2020 which means they're hard up for things to put in the movies, I guess. So uh, the name of the movie was The Runner Stumbles. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of it. Dick Van Dyke and Kathleen Quinlan were in it. And it's based on a true story, which I didn't know it was based on a true story until I looked it up the other day. And that just disturbed me even more because the ending of the thing is really, you just didn't expect the ending when the ending came and it sort of blows you away a little bit. But anyway, premise of the story is Dick Van Dyke is a priest, and Kathleen Quinlan is a nun. And it's set in Michigan back in the early 1900s. And uh, they have Catholic, little Catholic compound. They have a convent where they have three nuns. They have the rectory where the the priest lives. And then you have the, the church proper, you know, where everybody comes to church. So the nuns, two of the nuns, older nuns, contracted tuberculosis was back in the day so they had to isolate the younger nun there was nowhere else for her to live except in the rectory in an extra room where the priest lives oh can't you see it coming you've got the kindly priest loving compassionate kind wanting to help and do anything he can who is living in the same house as the kind and compassionate nun who just happens to be really good looking and one thing leads to another there and the reason I like the story so much 
is it's a character study of their struggle. There is a tremendous attraction between the two of them, and yet they both made vows to God. And the whole thing is about the struggle. It ends, the ending of it's like, ah, you just can't believe what happens at the very end of it. But the thing that drew me to it is that struggle because that's me and that's you. We have these struggles all the time that if, that, if, that, if, that if life worked like we thought it ought to, we wouldn't have those kind of things in us that, that we fought with that, that life would just, be, would just be okay. But we have those thoughts, and maybe you haven't, maybe it's just me, but you know, you, you thoughts or you do something and you think, you know, if I was a good person, if I was really a good person, would I think this way? If I was really a good person, is this the kind of thing I would do? If I'm really a good person, what's the matter with me? And then things happen in your life where you think God ought to do this and he, and he does that instead. And then you start asking even deeper questions. Of, do I even know what I'm talking am I Am I saved? Is there a God? One of the weirdest things that has happened over the last... I don't know, year, y'all may remember, y'all may know this more than everybody else because it's all in the podcast and everything we get. A couple of high-level young pastors have renounced their faith and have come out as atheists. And you go, what's up with that? These, some of these guys have written really popular books telling people how they ought to live their lives and now all of a sudden they're going, <laughs> made a mistake that God thing eh, forget that but listen to me now and you're going dude you had your chance shut up go away no but this thing this this happens to us and our faith is challenged last week we talked about John the Baptist this week we're going to talk about John the Baptist again last week I don't know if you remember or not if you hear, you remember that, that we talked about John the Baptist and Jesus had the same message. You remember that? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we talked about repent not being a spit and slobber angry word. That, yeah, repent or you're going to die, go to hell. But that repent actually was a gentle word. That repent is, is simply saying to you, change your mind. Get over your past. Be done with your past. And be willing to do whatever is necessary to make amends to God. It's really what it means. And that when you turn to God and say, I'll do whatever I need to do, God says, believe on Jesus and you'll be saved. And that's it. I mean, that's it. Y'all, if I struggle a little bit today, beyond just my normal self, Paul Butts passing away has thrown me for a loop. Because Paul, that was all Paul was. I'm not going to preach his funeral, so don't, you know, y'all have to come special for that one. But that's Paul. He's, 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 I'm going to hang on to the fact that Jesus has saved me. I'm not intelligent. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a great philosopher. I'm just a guy who likes to dove hunt. And I don't know a whole lot, but I know this much. I can't do this. And if Jesus don't do it for me, I'm done. That's all the message is, folks. That's all the message is. That's it. 
I will do my best to follow you. But if you don't hang on to me, I'm cooked. And this is why the scripture for today is intriguing to me, is in the fact that John the Baptist, who's preaching that message to everybody, appears to lose his faith. John the Baptist appears to lose his faith. What's that all about? Open up your Bibles to the 11th chapter of Matthew. 11th chapter of Matthew, verses 2 through 15. Let me hear some pages flipping out there. Matthew chapter 11. Y'all like the Jingle Jam set? Isn't this cool? We had some folks that worked very, very hard to put all this stuff, stuff together. They do it every year. Can't tell you how much we appreciate what you do. Matthew chapter 11, starting with verse number 2. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is coming, who is to come, or shall we look for another? Now y'all remember the story of John the Baptist. He's the one that baptized Jesus. He's the one who heard the voice out of heaven saying, This is my beloved son whom, for, with whom I am well pleased. He's the one that saw the Holy Spirit descend as a dove and land on Jesus. He's the one that told other people, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And here he is turning around in prison and he says, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? What? What? You? Mm. Jesus answered him, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And as they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yeah, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I will send a messenger before your face. You will prepare your way, he will, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist... Until now, the kingdom of heaven has, been suffered, has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray. Father, I wish that you would give me a phrase like you have given to Steve Brown. Who every time he preaches, he says, we would like to hear today the soft sound of sandaled feet. Because that's what we'd like to hear, Lord. In this house, in our presence, the soft sound of your spirit with us. Lord, we need consoling and we need encouraging and we need it desperately 
Father, I pray this morning that we would hear in your word the encouragement of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Almighty God. Forgive me, Lord. I've, I know I'm forgiven, but Lord, I confess to you now my sins. And I pray that nothing come between your word and your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. John the Baptist was weird, remember? I could give you a pop quiz and you could tell me why he's weird. What kind of clothing did he wear? Do you remember? Camel hair? Yeah, it's good for camels in the desert. I guess it's good for people too. Held on with a leather belt and he ate locusts and wild honey. We're coming to Jingle Jam tonight. Foster families are going to get locusts and wild honey casserole. Don't that sound good? Yeah, they won't be coming back. But, but he was preaching in the wilderness. And the thing about John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness is the man was convinced. He was sold out. Here is his message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he didn't care who, what, when, where, why, or how. This is the message that he was going to preach to everybody. Jesus said, when you went out in the wilderness, what were you looking to see? Were you looking for somebody with flowery words, clever phrases, all that kind? No, you were looking for somebody. You were looking for somebody who would tell it like it is, who would lay it out straight, that this is the word of the Lord. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, too doggone bad, because this is the word of the Lord. And that's who John the Baptist was. Where a lot of people might wander around and, and, and sort of, you know, we want to we wanna ease people into it. John Baptist is just in your face. He's just in your face. This is the way it's going to work. That's a good thing sometimes. It's a bad thing sometimes. There was a ruler in that area by the name of Herod Antipas. And Herod was a piece of work. Herod, uh, Herod and Herod's family met for a little family reunion in Rome, Italy, you know, where the where the, not Pharaoh, what they have back then? Emperors, where the emperor lived. And the family has a little get-together, and Herod Antipas looks over at his brother's wife, and he goes, hmm. And his brother's wife looks over at him and goes, hmm. And they have themselves a little romantic tete-a-tete. And then, and then he goes back to Jerusalem or back to Israel and can't stand himself. He can't live without this woman. So he divorces his wife and gets his brother's wife. Can you imagine what Thanksgiving was like at their house? Oh my goodness. Because he stole his brother's wife, brought her down, and married her. Now, here's the deal. Y'all think, y'all stay with me this morning because this is so us. When something happens in Washington, D.C. right now with the ruling class of people, we all know that there's not much we can do about it. We just shake our heads and we just go on about our way. John should have just shook his head and gone about his way. He couldn't do that. He couldn't stand it because John was a man of God. He had the word of the Lord and he had to go tell Herod, dude, you're wrong. You are totally, completely, 100%. What you have done is wrong. It is against God's law for you to have this woman as your wife because she belonged to your brother. Well, Herod was the kind of guy that he didn't enjoy being told that he was wrong. So he threw John the Baptist in prison. And when he threw John the Baptist in prison, that's where we get John asking Jesus, we get John asking Jesus, is, are you the one? Now, that sounds easy. You know, he went to prison and his faith wavered. But 
that don't work because John, John was, John was sold out. And you don't just lose your faith that easy when you're sold out. So that's where his story starts to make us understand how those things can happen to us as well. What would cause the faith of a man as devout as John the Baptist to waver? Let's think about his story. John, John wasn't just thrown into any prison. I'm going to mangle the name of this place. He was thrown into the prison at the fortress of Macarius. It was a fortress. In the fortress was a dungeon. In the dungeon, they had no ventilation. They had no air conditioning. They had no heat. Whatever it was outside is what it was inside. They didn't have windows that he could look outside. He didn't have room to move around. Now, I want you to think about, think about this. Some of y'all go camping, and some of y'all go camping an awful lot. I see pictures on Facebook, and I'm telling you, sometimes there's almost envy in my soul when I see some of the places that y'all go. Y'all go. And I want you to think about those of you that go camping every now and then, or just those of you that go out in your yard at night when it's dark, or get up in the morning before rise the sun rises. You get up, and you've got all this expanse of beauty out in front of you. And you go to bed at night and you've got the campfire going and you look up and there's a billion stars in the sky. When you're preaching, don't look up into the lights because everything bl blurs up. And now we're in a mess for just a minute, so we'll see where we go. Anyway, you got all these stars in the sky. That's what John the Baptist lived with every day. Remember, he lived out in the wilderness. So every morning when he got up, he was a man of the outdoors. Outside was where he was meant to be. At night when he went to bed, he would see the sun setting over the mountains around Israel. It was, that was who he was. And now he's locked up in a place where he can't see outside in this little tiny cramped place. So I can see that sort of working on his mind a little bit. But I still don't think that was enough to break him. I still don't think that's what drove him to start questioning God. Here's where, here's where I think things started getting a little, a little odd. John the Baptist knew the Bible. He knew the Bible. When he went to Herod and told Herod that you can't have your brother's wife, can you imagine having that conversation? I just, I, but we have weird stuff happening in our families, right? I mean, we all have weird stuff. The, the thing about the difference between northern people and southern people is northern people hide their crazies and southern people just put on the front porch for everybody to see. We all have crazy in our family. Well, they had crazy in their family. That's, that's the way this thing worked. And, and, and John the Baptist knew the scripture, saw the crazy, and he went and told Herod. And I know that he would have used this. He would have said, Herod. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's Leviticus 18, 16 says, listen, you don't mess around with your brother's wife. She belongs to him, not you. And then you go to Leviticus 20 and you hear this. If a man, now this is the one that ticks him off. If a man takes his brother's wife, it is impurity. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They shall be childless. Now, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that they'll never have kids. You know that they're going to get together, live a life, and long life, and everybody's going to be happy. But you're not going to have kids. That's not what that means. You know why they're going to be childless? Because we're going to stone them to death. <laughs> yeah, you can't have kids when you're dead, typically. I've 
Not seen it happen, but strange things occur. But that's what this means, is that that verse is saying that if you take your brother's wife, you should be stoned to death by everybody in the community. You see why Herod took offense? But now here's the problem. Here's the problem. John the Baptist knew the Old Testament. He knew the Messianic prophecies. He knew the prophecies that were saying what Jesus was supposed to do when he comes. Okay, you got it in your head? Everybody, everybody with me so far? That he has it in his head what's supposed to happen because the Bible told him so. Old Testament, Scripture. This is what he would have read in Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. This is the me here is the Messiah. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Hear me? Scripture says the Messiah is going to open the prison to those who are bound. You got it? All right? Now let's add a complication to that. John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. If anybody's going to come get me out of prison, the Messiah could release me. And for God's sakes, my cousin will certainly come and get me. Cuz never came. Cuz never came. John the Baptist died in that prison. Have you ever had that happen? You know the scripture. You know the scripture. You know the scripture. I know you've done, I know you have done this because I have done this. Lord, I know you can heal them. I know you can. I've read in your word, I've read in your word where you've said the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, dead are raised up. My wife, my husband, my child, my mom, my dad, my son, my daughter, they have this. You could heal them if you would. You could. We prayed for healing for Paul. God could have healed Paul. What's cancer? But he didn't do it. And here's John in the stinking prison that he ain't too happy about being in to start with. And his very own cousin, who he said was the Messiah, has not gone to any prison and released anybody anywhere and certainly hasn't come to release me. Are you who I said you were? Are you who I thought you were? Have you ever done that? I know you have. I know you have. I have. Lord, I know that you can take care of this. And when he doesn't, your faith wavers. 
and you wonder, do I have it right? If it gets bad enough, am I even a Christian? If it gets bad enough even more, is there really a God? Am I really like, am I really doing what those philosophers have said, that, that it's just a crutch to hold me up, that, that I have to have something, I'm such a weak person that if I didn't have this, I'd fall apart. You see John the Baptist in you, don't you? I see him in me. How do you get around that? How do you, how do you get over that? How does that stop? Because see, this is the, the, what I've under, learned, grown to understand is that the more pain that's in your heart, the more you tend to focus on your pain to the exclusion of everything else. And all you want is God to take it away. And if he doesn't take it away, then you wonder. And the pain doesn't have to be physical. It's emotional, spiritual, whatever. Ah! When I was a kid, in my church, we had a hymn that we sang that was very, very popular back in those days in my church. I don't know if anybody else has ever heard it, but it was one of our biggies, and it was this one. And I can't do it without singing it, so y'all just tough. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God hath done. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. That sounds kind of Pollyanna, don't it? It really does when you think about it. You know, count your blessings. See how much better off you are than everybody else. There's always somebody out there that's worse off than you are. You need to buck up and put on your big boy pants or your big girl pants and and get on with it. Just do it. Don't ever say that in front of me. (laughs) Don't ever let me hear you tell anybody. You know, there's so many people in the world that's got it worse than you because I won't be preacherly when I hear that. That is the most ridiculous, asinine thing you can say to anybody ever. Look up the word asinine if you don't know what it means. Look it up. No, just no. When somebody's going through something, it's their pain. Shut up and let them hurt. Love them. But for goodness sakes don't do this and that's not what this song is saying this song is saying see what God hath done that's what it's saying don't just count no stop and look for God working and that's exactly what Jesus told John to do he said go and tell John what you hear and see with your own two eyes what you hear and see The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. John knew those things were in the Bible. He knew that the one who was to come would do all those things. John's disciples were seeing all of those things done. See what God hath done. And that makes sense. If we see God, then our faith can improve, can, can grow. But even with that, John stuck with a 
John's stuck with something. It says, proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prisons to those who are blind. What do you do with that if you're John? John can't do anything with that because he's on the wrong side of history. John can't see it. In verses 7 through 15, Jesus comes out slugging for John the Baptist. He doesn't condemning. Listen, y'all need to pay attention to this. He doesn't condemn John for his faith wavering. He never does that. In fact, he does nothing but say how wonderful John was, even to the point of saying that John is a fulfillment of prophecy, that that John is Elijah, that he's the one uh, crying in the wilderness, chosen to announce the Messiah had come. But in the middle of all that, Jesus says this, which is really kind of funky, and y'all pay attention to the verse. It says, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. But then he says this, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. In the middle of what John is, Jesus is saying about John the Baptist, he turns around and praises you. He turns around and praises you. He says, the one who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist because John the Baptist hasn't seen how Jesus releases the prisoners yet. He hasn't lived. He doesn't know what's about to happen. He will die before it occurs. Who is this Jesus? What does this Jesus do? Colossians says this, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things. In him all things hold together. He's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, you, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. John didn't know, verse 20. John didn't know that through him, to reconcile all things to himself, to reconcile, to take fallen creation and make it like God designed it to be. Paul Butts, 712, I think is what they said this morning. 712 this morning, Jesus sent an angel to Paul. And he took Paul by the hand. Jeanette said for the last eight hours of his life that he suffered no pain at all. He had been on pain meds just like crazy. For the last eight hours of his life, he didn't need pain meds. An angel came and, and he took Paul. And what he had reconciled on this earth to himself, he now made him so that Romans 3 23 no longer applies. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No, no. He don't fall short of the glory of God anymore. He is the man that God created him to be.
Do you understand that? He is the man that God created him to be. On this earth, Paul was just like some of y'all. He confessed some of his sins to me, and when he confessed them, I could hear you and me in his confession. I'd done the same stinking things. And today, because Jesus reconciled him through his blood, John the Baptist couldn't know that. John the Baptist had no clue. Jesus makes peace by the blood of his cross. Every human being is born into prison. Every last one of us. And Jesus comes and releases us from prison. But now here's the part that, here's the part, because you're thinking, well, you know, I'm saved, so I'm released from prison. No, no, you're really not. Because here's the deal. Salvation releases prison, but most of us keep living our lives as though we are still in prison. And you're not. You're just not. You've got the spirit of the living God living in you if you're his. You can be, you are different. You don't have to be like everybody else. You don't have to live like everybody else. What is important to everybody else does not have to be important to you. Because see, everything that Paul owned is gone. It don't matter anymore. He ain't going to ride a four-wheeler. He ain't going to shoot a shotgun. Never going to hunt doves on this planet ever again. All of his property, if he owned any of that property out there, it's going to go to somebody else. None of that matters. It's all gone. Like that. No matter how busy he was. I don't know about y'all, but I'm too busy to die. Right? I'm too busy to die. I got too much to do. Christmas is coming up. My kids are coming down. Got to get things ready. Got to move some furniture around at the house. Presents got to be put in the right place. Got to do everything that mama says. Because if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. We got to keep mama happy because the holidays are coming up and we want everybody to be happy. Yep. Give me an amen. That's right. That was all men saying amen too. Because there ain't a stupid man in this room. And as busy as we are, we can still go at a moment. And when we go at a moment, because of the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross, for those of us who trust him, who have repented and said, I'm done with my past. I will do everything I can to make amends with you, God. And God says, you don't do anything except trust Jesus. And I trust Jesus to lead me and guide me and to take me home. I'm done. I'm good. That's it. I pray this morning, if you've never done that now, don't. Don't. Do it today. Do it today. And it's a big deal. A lot of people will, will, a lot of people will tell you that, you know, all you got to do is pray this little prayer and, and you're done. Mm-mm, no, what, what you've got to do is repent. You have, got, you have got to say that I am done with the way I've done stuff 
And I'm willing to go anywhere and do anything that you want me to do. I'm willing to follow you, period. I might think I'm going to be an actor, but maybe you want me to be an accountant. I'd die to be an accountant. But if that's what you want, that's where I'll go. I might want to be a teacher, but instead I'm going to homeschool all my kids. I might want to be a CEO of a corporation, but instead I'm going to run a forklift because this is where God put me. I'm willing to go anywhere and do anything. That's what it means. That's what it means. It will never be better than that because one day you will become the man and the woman that God created you to be. He's going to work on you your entire life. And Jesus says that you are greater in the kingdom of heaven than John the Baptist because you get to know that. The scripture says that the angels, it uses different words, this is the Randy paraphrase, that the angels are jealous of you because being created beings around God, they can't experience the love that the Lord has for you. And they'd give their eye teeth to know that kind of love. It's yours. It's yours. And Father, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Lord, I pray for those that, that, that have heard everything I've said and they go, I've never experienced that. Never been that way. It's never crossed my mind. Lord, I pray in the day that it does cross their mind because it will, that you will remind them of this message. That you love them. You don't condemn them for wavering but that instead you draw them close. Father, I pray for those who have never trusted you, who have never surrendered everything they have to you. I pray you show them the I don't know the word, Lord. The majesty, magnificence of knowing you and following you and living for you. I pray you help them see through a little guy like Paul that you can take all of us home and that they'd trust you to do that. I pray, Father, don't let anyone be lost. Nobody at this place, don't let anybody be lost. And Father, for the rest of us, I pray for joy this morning, that our hearts would leap, that prayers would cross our lips, saying thank you. Thank you. 
thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for the hope that I will be the man you want me to be one of these days. I thank you for the fact that you never give up on me and that my sins are forgiven, even the ones that I have trouble forgiving myself for. They are done. Thank you for the blood of Jesus on the cross. Thank you for my salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for another episode from FBC Gray. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single message. For more information about First Baptist Gray, visit us online at fbcgray.org. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue helping people find Jesus and give Jesus away.